0: sometimes when i feel the presence of the lord i get chills <laughs> and i've had chills ever since i ever since we started the music the presence of the lord is here i just before i start i want to take and give honor to brother and sister showstrand brother and sister joe strand and that's how i tell the difference and all the ministry uh, those that have previously been pastors and those that are coming up brand new, which we have quite a few. And I think God is preparing us for something tremendous and powerful. I think there's something going on. We talked about it Sunday. And I think God is getting ready to, to do something glorious. And I want to be a part of it, don't you? Amen. Oh, it can been a rough year, but this uh, last, uh, well, it's been a couple months ago, right after my wife passed away, um, I was sitting on the edge of the bed. And I don't know, maybe it's part of the process of grief or whatever it was, but for a you just sort of overcame, you know, was overcome with this uh, um, loneliness, I guess, and loneliness and, and despair. And, and I've never asked the Lord ever before. I said, Lord, where are you? And almost immediately, that song, an old song that I heard years and years ago, that I was there all the time. And I looked up and I looked out the window. There was, in our bedroom, there's a double window and there was a a maple, there's a maple tree in the backyard that we planted when we first moved there. Pretty good size now. And when I looked at it, it's, it's, there's no leaves on it, totally bare. And there was just a few snow caps on the branches. And, and I, and I, I looked at it and I thought, you know, that's kind of the way I feel, the way that is, that tree is, or rather. And all of a sudden, it seemed like the Lord was saying, you've got, you're looking at the wrong thing. You need to look down and look at the ground. Because beneath the ground, there are roots of that tree that haven't stopped. They are, they are searching, they are growing, they are moving, they are seeking, they are nourishing the plant. He said, they're storing up all this energy. Well, what are they storing all this energy for? Because there's something that's going to happen in the spring. There's something that's going to really take place, and the power and the presence of God is going to touch us. I, I was thinking about that, the tree in the spring. I know it's not like that yet, but the tree grabs, you know, gets these little buds, and then all of a sudden there's a green leaf, and that green leaf begins to develop. And I thought, that's where we are in the spirit. Because we were talking Sunday in the back room, back in the prayer room, but we were talking about that there's something in the air. There's something about to take place. There's just a, a move in, in the spirit that's, um, it, that I think, I, and what are you saying, Brother Rogers? Are you saying that this year is just going to be hunky-dory, whatever that means? And No. I think there's going to be hills and valleys. I think there's going to be trials and tribulations. I think there's going to be a lot of different things that we will undergo. Life just keeps on going, and there'll be those things. But in spite of all those things, I think the Spirit of God is going to work through us and in this place in a tremendous way. I'm so glad I'm here, I'll tell you when I'm here. I feel the presence of God like I have never felt it in 50 years. All 50 years, I have never felt the presence of God the way we have felt it recently. It's been so, it's been wonderful. The worship is powerful. And the preaching makes you sit on the edge of your seat. And I'm not saying that because he's here. I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm saying that because it's the truth. The spirit of the Lord is here. And and I sat there on the edge of the bed, and all of a sudden, it seemed like the presence of God just came in in that room, and I could feel the presence of God. I know you're not supposed to feel the presence of God, you know, you walk by faith, but I felt the presence of God, and it was so powerful when I when I, I sensed that. And I thought, Lord, I am sorry I ever said that. I'm sorry I said that, where are you, Lord? I said, I want to rededicate and reconsecrate my life. And I know there are many here tonight that were just, just, just waiting for the opportunity to rededicate and reconsecrate their life in this glorious hour that we are living in. And tonight, then that brings me to my message. Tonight, I want to speak for a little while on preserving and protecting the anointing, the unity, AND BEYOND, PRESERVING AND PROTECTING THE ANOINTING AND THE UNITY AND BEYOND. BEYOND IS BECAUSE WE HAVE A TREMENDOUS FUTURE BEFORE US THE LORD tarries. I BELIEVE THE FIRE IS GETTING HOTTER AND I BELIEVE THE GLORY IS GETTING BRIGHTER and our ministries are becoming more perfected, and our experience is more valuable, and our prayers are more intense, and our songs more meaningful, and our repentance more genuine. I've never felt the presence of God like we feel it. I remember just a, a couple months ago, right there at the altar, it just seemed like we went from glory to Shekinah. It just seemed like we went from what is really, really good to something that I've never experienced before. Falling on my face, crying out to God, I looked over and Brother Show stands at the altar, and other ones were at the altar. And it was so powerful, and, and we have experienced that. But I think the best is yet to come. I think every seat in the house is gonna be the best seat in the house. I don't think you could hide in the back row because the glory is gonna be here, it's gonna be there, it's gonna be over there, it's gonna fill the house just like it did in the Old Testament several different times. So, what is anointing, Brother Rogers? Well, I, I, I tried to find as much as I could on anointing, but there's not a whole lot that, uh, as far as explanations. But I, I did write something down. The overflow of God's spirit that resides in us, often spontaneous. Its purpose is to commission, to send, to empower AND TO IMPART LIVES FOR THE KINGDOM OF GOD, TO TESTIFY, TO WITNESS, TO PRAY, TO SING, TO WORSHIP, TO EMPOWER WITH GIFTS AND MINISTRY, HELPING OTHERS, DEFEATING OUR ENEMIES MORE EFFECTIVELY, AND IT'S MULTIPLIED AND INTENSIFIED BY CORPORATE UNITY. WHEN WE COME TOGETHER TOGETHER IN UNITY it just seems like it is, God's a God of multiplication. And when people come together, great things begin to happen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, God is so good to us. Uh, he's, our, he's our bread of life when we're hungry. He's the water in a dry and a thirsty land when we're thirsty. And that's, that's why I brought my water up here tonight. Going through the fire, he becomes the fourth man in the fiery furnace. When we face the enemies, face to face, he's our defense. When we're sick, he's our great physician. When we're broken, he's the mender of the broken reed. And when we go through grief, he's the man of sorrows that does not leave us comfortless, like Brother Shostran said Sunday. Amen. So what are we doing? We're, we're, we're protecting together. We're protecting The anointing of God. We're protecting the unity. It's a responsibility that every one of us have. And every one of us in this room can have the anointing of God. You can receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and receive that glorious anointing. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? So we're going to talk a few minutes about protecting what we have. The glory, the worship and the preaching, and the togetherness. That's what we have. And it's being multiplied. And I I thought about something. I was trying to think of maybe an object lesson that would kind of define the church. And I thought of a clam. I don't want to insult anybody's intelligence by using a clam tonight, but that tiny clam is so much like the church. He's that little tiny clam. that you, you find him in the riverbeds. You can find him in the ocean. You can find him just about anywhere. I think there's like 16,000 uh, species of, of, of these mollusks or clams. And when you, when you see him in the water, you can just, you know, they're just kind of hide away in the sand. But their outside of the shell is rough and it's dark and it's without color. But on the inside of that shell, there's the mother of pearl, and the mother of pearl is an iridescent full of color and beauty. And that's the way the church is, because people out there, people that don't have the Holy Ghost, they have a difficult time understanding. Why do you in the world do you go to church three or four days a week? When my wife started going to church, she she was going to a Billy Cole revival, and she went about three or four days in a row. And I don't know if I was jealous. Didn't want to give her up for that amount of time or whatever. But I gave her fits. I really did. I, I, was, I, was, I was mean fits. I didn't hit her or anything. But just being mean. And I told her I was going to do all this stuff if she went to church again. And she looked at me and she said, you know, I allowed my dad to keep me from going to church, but there's not another man that's going to keep me from going to church. Sort of gave up. So the next night she says, what are you getting dressed for? I said, well, I'm going to go to church. Guess what? <laughs> I found out what's, what's really beautiful in life. I found out that the Holy Ghost, the, the Spirit of the Lord coming in us it, it made all the difference in the world. I wasn't looking from the outside. I wasn't looking down at, at that rough, dark shell. I was looking from the inside. And it just seemed like everybody, that you were in love with everybody. I, I remember I even grabbed my mother-in-law, gave her a hug, and, and twisted her around like this. And my wife said, "Well, you, you, drove, you drove through three red lights on the way home. And, and it didn't stop. That's been 50 years ago. But I promise you, the Holy Ghost today, at least in my experience, the Holy Ghost today is greater than it's ever been. I can't wait to get to church. It just seems like I sit at home waiting. I want to go to church. You know, it's like what, what Korah said to his sons. He said, how amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. And David said, as the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. I long for that. God that I want to serve. He said, when shall I come and appear before him? David was running for his life. He wanted to be in the house of God. It's so glorious to walk in here and feel the worship and the praise and the love. And I've never felt love like I experienced these last two or three months with with all the people that have prayed and, and come up and brought food and all these various things that, that you did because of your love and your your kindness and and I just, you know, never experienced that before. It is, it's wonderful. Amen. I don't know if I'm making sense tonight. <laughs> but on the inside of that shell, it's smooth, comfortable. And that's what the, that's what the article said, that it, it causes the little creature inside to be comfortable. Like in John chapter 14, verse 18. We used that, pastor used that recently. That uh, he will not leave us comfortless. The little pearl can take a bad—he's just like the church. He can take a bad situation and make something good out of it. He can—he can expel from his mantle this uh, calcium carbonate and matrix, or carbonate and matrix, and he can build a pearl layer upon layer upon layer. And finally, till he just finishes the outside with the beautiful iridescent colors, he can take a bath. And the church is that way, too. We've been through some trials. We've been through some temptations. We've been through some struggles. We've been, some of you have been so sick that you can't even stand up. But yet God has brought you through. God has brought us through. He's been with us. He's never left us. He's never forsaken us. He's always been there for us. And that's the kind of God that we serve. And then he's, a little clam's got a mantle. Remember, bro, remember the pastor preaching on the mantle? You remember that? Standing right here. He put that mantle around you. Remember that's been about five or six years ago. Preached on the mantle. Well, the clam has a mantle. And the church has a mantle. It's called the anointing. And everybody that allows the Spirit of God to move and flow through you has a mantle. And and you can affect the lives, touch the lives of other people by allowing the Holy Ghost to flow through you. This little clam has three different enemies. It has disease. Now, I don't really need to say a lot about disease because, well, we're familiar with that. The second one was the parasites. And here it get maybe get a little serious, but uh, parasites in, in the church... I thought about four different parasites. The first one would be to be distracted, preoccupied by loss of priority. The second parasite would be disinterested, no longer influenced by considerations of personal and kingdom advantage. The third one was disbelief. That one scared me. It's like, in 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1 and 2, where it talks about Elijah when he prophesied, and this is what he said. He said, Then Elijah, or Elijah said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then the Lord, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, disbelief. Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And the man of God said, behold, thou shalt see it with thy eyes, but shall not eat thereof. And that that really that really concerns me. I don't want to lose out with God in the last hours. I want to be a part of this great revival. Don't you be a part of what God is doing, watching souls come in and watching people pray through the baptism of the Holy Ghost at our altars and watch them go down in a watery grave and watch their lives being changed and transformed where they become new creatures in Christ Jesus and old things are passed away. The last parasite was disheartened. And disheartened means to lose hope, enthusiasm, or courage. But you know what? Pastor already said it tonight. This little clam, you would think he was passive. You would think that he he would just allow any predator to come along and just do whatever. But you know, he's got the same attitude. Enough is enough. And that little clam, I was reading the article on this, the little clam will all of a sudden expel all this force of air or water and and cause the the ground and cause the sand in the water to to just make a huge cloud, and then it would it would begin to dance like this, and it would dance around the enemy and it would cause the enemy to flee. in other words, that little, that little burger, it only took three times. The first two, he, he allowed the predator to come. But the third time that the enemy came or the predator came at him, he said, enough is enough. And he says, I'm going to take back. And he, well, that's the story. <laughs> he danced and he attacked. We talked about attack tonight. Amen. The, that's the, the third enemy the predator. What, what are we doing tonight? We're protecting and preserving the anointing. We're protecting and preserving the unity of the Spirit and the unity of the faith. <clears throat> we're, we're doing what we can individually and corporately. Amen. We're, we're, we have powerful weapons in the Spirit. Isaiah 54, 17 said, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Matthew 16, 18 said, The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Psalms 144 and 1 said that God taught our hands to war and our fingers to fight. Romans 8:31 said, If God be for us, who can be against us? And Luke 10, 19 said that God has given us power over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing can by any means hurt you. God's given us such powerful weapons. 2 Corinthians 10, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into obedience every thought, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Amen. We have powerful weapons. We have the name of Jesus. We have Powerful weapons. Angels. Hello? Angels. An angel of the Lord encamped about them that fear him. The angels that minister to the heirs of salvation, operating, working in your life. We don't see them. I don't know where they are. I would tell you a story, but I'm afraid you'd think I was nuts. Should I tell it? Yes. I've only seen angels one time in my whole life, and it was here. They came through, two of them, they were about, I couldn't see their face, there was no form in their face. But the two of them came together, and they, they crossed, they went from there, and they crossed this direction. And they were of a strange color, like a, a blue, like, a, a, like the sky. And as they crossed, I said, Lord, am I, you know, going bonkers? Am, am I going nuts or something? I thought, what am I seeing? And there wasn't, ex- the, you know, it was just, there wasn't exact form. But as they crossed, and I asked the Lord, why are they here? And the Lord said, I, they have come to bring peace. Mm-hmm. And they crossed here. And I don't know if you remember this, but you were right there. It was the old, the old keyboard that you used to have. And when those two angels got came across and they moved across this way, Sister Shostrand said, there are angels in this place. Do you remember that? You don't. It's been um, about eight or nine years ago. And I I knew you'd say I was crazy, but but they're real. They are. They're real. I'm going to talk about real quick in about three different kinds of prayers tonight that will help us to protect and to preserve the anointing, the unity, and beyond. And... my first prayer that I want to use is pray for ministerial leadership. About a year ago, oh, well, it's actually been a little longer than that, it was the first of the year, last year on our 40 days of fire, I asked the Lord to teach me to pray. Well, you'd think after almost 50 years that I'd know how to pray. But I didn't. And, but the Lord didn't teach me how to pray. He taught me what to pray. And he would take me through the Bible and take me through the, the, his book. And I, and I started writing down the different prayers that we are required as the saints of God for ministerial leadership. Now, who did we pray for? Well, we pray for... Brother and Sister Shostran, Brother and Sister Joe Stran, we pray for Caitlin, we pray for Brother and Sister Post, we pray for Siobhan and Tegan, we pray for their extended family, because all that can affect them. We pray for the young ministers, all these young ministers here, that God would anoint them, use them, raise them up to be powerful, powerful creatures of the Word of God, so we pray for them. And this is, what, this is what I found in the Word of God. Second Corinthians 3.11, it said, ye also helping together by prayer for us. Now, this is the, our Apostle Paul talking. Second Thessalonians 5.25, brethren, pray for us. And he said that five times. He said it again in Hebrew 13.18, pray for us. Well, why should we pray for him? Well, that God, this is Colossians 4.3, that God would open to us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. Then in Colossians 4.4, it said that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. In 2 Thessalonians 3:1, that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, and delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, because all men have not faith. That's powerful. Romans 15:31, delivered from them that do not believe. That's why we pray for them. That my service, which I have for the church, may be accepted of the saints. Romans 15:30, for the love of the Spirit to strive together. Romans 15:31 That I may come to you with joy by the will of God. Romans 15:32 And with you be refreshed. So if we want to protect, we want to preserve, we want to make sure that they're okay and that our ministry's okay. That's powerful. And then, secondly, the second prayer is that we pray for one another. And there's some powerful prayers in the Bible. You talk about Abraham. uh, You talk about Moses. Moses praying, interceding for the children of Israel. Uh, How about um, Paul has nine prayers in the epistles. Uh, the, The prayer of Cornelius, these powerful prayers that were made. But there's one prayer in the Bible that we often overlook, and I I think she'll she'll put it up there. Colossians 4.12. There it is. Epaphras, who is one of you. Isn't Isn't that beautiful? Look around to your neighbor and say, I'm one of you. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. What are they doing? Praying for one another. Yeah. Do you know in Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter, when, when all those Israelites were marching out there to face Moab, Mount Seir, and Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, and they were going to face this enemy, and the Lord said, don't take any weapons with you. I want all the singers up front, just like we do on Sunday. I want all the singers up front. The, the word singing there means minstrel, and it means to minister to one another. It's difficult now because we're all spaced out, but when, when things become, <laughs> I hate to say normal, but when things go back the way <laughs> that... You have a sphere of influence around you that when, when you're singing and you're worshiping, it affects us around you. Amen. There was somebody sitting in the back next to me. and they came in. They hadn't been here for a long time. Not a long time, but it's been a while since, they, since they've been here. Then I could tell they're, they were kind of down and uh, they were, uh, just, you know, sitting, sat, they're not worshiping. And I thought, Lord, Sister Clark and Sister Brush, they were on the other side. They were worshiping. I, I, there was a couple in the front. They were worshiping. All, all the Hancocks in the back. They were worshiping. I was worshiping. Everybody on this side, and it just seemed like, just in a matter of seconds, all of a sudden she began to worship because that's that's the ministry. Hallelujah. Epiphras who is one of you, that's, that's powerful. that's how we can pray for one another because what are we doing? We're preserving and protecting the anointing and the unity because we love one another. Uh, the, just the other day I was, I, I was um, woke up in the middle of the night, got, got up and walked the floor, was praying and then uh, went back to bed. And <clears throat> I thought, couldn't sleep, so I put UPCI Preaching, United Pentecostal Church International Preaching, and put it on. And there was um, a message by uh, uh, one, of our, one of our preachers uh, that, ha- that he preached several years ago, and he, and he talked about this ministry thing. About ministering one to another, and he said something that was so powerful. he said that when we pray for someone else ministering to them, whether we come up behind them and we 're praying for them or or maybe we're laying our hand on them, he gave Well, I would call it a formula, but he said that when when you begin to pray for somebody that when They feel love, mercy, and compassion flowing from you. That it activates faith in them. Is this okay? And and it comes back to them and activates dunamis. You know what dunamis is? Dunamis is miracle power. And when you begin to pray, you say, well, that's only pastors can do that. No, 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 no. You're standing up behind people and you allow the spirit of Lord to use you and flow through you and, and begin to pray for somebody that when, when they feel that transmission, that impartation, whatever you want to call it, that's powerful. They're in the tabernacle and I've only got five minutes, but in the tabernacle, and I'm not going to go into all that I was going to go into. I don't have time. But in the tabernacle, uh, along the sides is the framework. And the framework are these boards in sockets of silver. And they're fitly framed together, just like the church. On the back side, there are five bars. In Ephesians 4:11 through 13, says there that he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, however you believe that. But... Everybody, one of those bars went all the way through. That's a pastor, I'm sure, because everybody needs a pastor. Nobody ever outgrows a pastor. You can't survive, you can't live, you can't be right with God without a pastor. We all have to have a pastor. And those bars were, before they were, before the artisan got a hold of it, it, it was a, a, a tree out in the wilderness called an acacia tree. And the, the wood, although it's, it, it's very hardy, the, wor- the wood itself is is uh, knotted and, and it's uh, gnarled and it's twisted, and it, it doesn't look like something that you want to make furniture out of. But placed into the hand of a skilled artisan a master carpenter like Jesus does for us, all of a sudden he fashions And then he covers it with gold and places it in the wall, the framework around. You know who that is? That's us. That's the body of Christ, and it's each one of us individually. And it's covered with gold. Well, what's that mean? Well, it means when I look at you or you look at me, that through the light of the candlestick, that brilliancy, that's why they go in and trim the wick so they can minister in that light. But in that light, when they're looking at that those bars, when it's looking at you, you're looking at them, so forth, that you're seeing Gold, what what does gold mean? Golds have a, a lot of different types and so forth, but gold simply means value. It means worth. And in that light, if we're ministering th- the power of God, the anointing of God, then when we look at someone else and we see them, we're not looking at them as 11 short of a dozen. We're not looking them through critical eyes or malice, or envy, or jealousy, or competition, or any of that. When we look at that person, we are seeing them the same way God sees them. We're looking from the light of his countenance. We're looking through that light, and we're seeing that gold reflected off that. And I'll tell you what, we get that kind of a spirit and an attitude that, that we love one another, and we care about one and we do. I'm not saying that those things are absent from the church. I'm saying they're here. They're here. The love of God is here. Our worship is here. Our preaching of the word of God is here. It's powerful. It's powerful. And when we look at each other and we see each other the way God sees them, it makes all the difference in the world. Can you imagine what a church would be like if everybody just was loving everybody and everybody was praying for the pastor all at the same time? Well, he'd get up here, he wouldn't know what to do. He'd be like a little clam. He'd be dancing all over up here, and he does. Sister Showstrand would be dancing too. So we're praying. We're praying for people. We're praying for backsliders because... We want them to be restored. I don't think you know backsliders. I don't think they they really ever forget the experience they have. Backsliders, I think, f- lose the value of their experience, and that's the way we need to pray that God would restore the value of their experience, where they could, you know, once again, just enjoy this. I, I've got s- some more about uh, submission, but I, I'm not I'm not going to go into all that because it's it's eight o'clock, but. Just for togetherness. First Corinthians twelve twenty-four said we're tempered together. First Corinthians one and ten said we are gathered together. Ephesians two and five said we're quickened together. Ephesians two and six said we're raised up together. Ephesians two twenty-one said we're fitly framed. Fitly framed together, just like the boards. And then Colossians 2.2 2 said that we are being knit together in love. And that's like the fine twine linen. It's, it's knitted together, woven together. And that's what the church is. What are we doing, Brother Rogers? Well, we're doing our part. However small that part may be, we're doing our part to ensure that things move onward Amen. and forward. We're, we're trying to preserve, we're trying to protect, protecting one another and protecting those things that God has so graciously given us. And I love everybody here. Thank you for being patient with me tonight.